Well, new community, I am here with somebody who I truly love. Her name is Jerusha, and she is somebody who we have asked to be an elder at new community. And part of our process in asking somebody to be an elder is to introduce them to the community and give the community a couple weeks of discernment. And part of that discernment process is to allow you guys to get to know her a little bit. So um, normally we would have some more in-person things with this, but today we get to do an interview over a podcast so that you guys have the chance to get to know Jerusha. And if you haven't gotten to know her yet, I would encourage you to find her, call her, email her, hang out with her because she is pretty wonderful. <laughs> so uh, Jerusha, thank you for being here today. Um would you maybe just start out by introducing yourself and your family, maybe share what you and your husband do for work, what part of town you live in, any of that stuff, just kind of the basics. Sure. Yeah, well, thank you for inviting me to be here today. Um, yeah, uh, I am a relatively um, new to the Inland Northwest. Uh, my husband and I Bert Emerson um, moved here in 2016, and we had been living in Los Angeles. We'd both been teaching at the university level uh, in different schools, uh, different universities, and um, and then out of the blue, got a call to uh, interview at Whitworth. Bert got the call, and uh, he flew up. We had a little guy at home, and. Um, so I stayed in Los Angeles and he flew up here to Spokane and he called me from Spokane and he said it's beautiful and I think you would love it and I had been praying while he was on his trip and I just had such peace about this being our next step and so we did it we just moved um, and have uh, have not regretted it <laughs> uh, it's been incredible it's been incredible for us so um Bert is an early Americanist. Um, he studies early American literature, and um, we met um, a little bit later in life. Uh, we were in our mid-30s. We were set up on a blind date by a guy who I think was just kind of tired of listening to both of us talk about literature so much and thought we should talk to each <laughs> other. So, so uh, I teach um, creative writing. I teach um, a bit of literature. I teach essay writing. Um, at Whitworth as well. And so I work as a lecturer, um, and Bert is uh, uh, about to be a tenured professor. And so uh, it is an exciting, exciting community to be a part of. We really love the Whitworth community, uh, and we love the way that that has given us um, a, a connection to Spokane because I think Whitworth really desires to be connected to the city and all different facets of the city and its diversity. And so that has given us um, an understanding of the city that I'm not sure, uh, just a fast track, I think, that I'm not sure we would have had any other way. And so I love that. Um, I really have enjoyed living in Spokane. We kind of lived in mm -hmm. Whitworth's orbit for the first two years that we were here. And then um, almost three years ago now, we moved into our house uh, in the North Monroe area. And we're right over by um, Bellwether Brewing Company and... We, since the quarantine and COVID, um, have gotten to know all of our neighbors. And uh, I mean, literally, we actually know everybody on our street. 
and mm. uh, hang out with them uh, in as safe a way as we can. But the kids ride their bikes together, and we've looked out for each other and supported one another through this quarantine. And that has also been an incredible gift. Um, to really get to know and get to love your neighborhood is really incredible. So, uh, yeah, that's a little bit about us. And uh, we, in September, uh, had our world turned upside down um, when we got a call from an adoption agency that we had been in communication with in relationship with for about a year, but nothing uh, nothing had had. Uh, happened and then all of a sudden the second week in September we got a phone call and um, it was one of those phone calls that you will remember for the rest of your life um, mm. it was a uh, baby girl is already here and uh, her biological mama has chosen your family and she's going to need you to drop everything um, and uh, we did we dropped mm-hmm. everything. Uh, we heard about Baby Girl on a Tuesday. We met her on a Wednesday morning. We brought her home on a Friday. And Elizabeth Emerson was adopted officially uh, in December and so of last year. So that has also, uh, in the midst of what has been uh, an incredibly unique year for everybody, um, added a layer of uh, wildness to our year <laughs> that I wouldn't change for anything. But it has also oh. been a little nuts. So <laughs> yeah. Yeah. that's a bit about our family. Um, we uh, we also share a home. We're a multi-generational home. Uh, last year, my dad retired from 45 years of church ministry, and he and my mom joined us in our home here in Spokane uh, as a transition towards their retirement. And that was a godsend. I don't know how we would have taught this last year at Whitworth without the support of my parents. So that's yeah. us. That's a little bit about Man. us. And maybe share a little bit about how old is Samuel? Samuel these days. is, yep, Samuel is uh, <laughs> just, we're, we're on countdown. We're on countdown. We're down to um, double digit days till he turns six. Um, mm-hmm. And he is a kindergartner um, at Spokane International, which he loves and uh, has informed me that this year he would like to make his own cake which uh, I trust him to do entirely because he's really taken to, like, the young chef thing. I think we probably watched too much of kind of British baking shows during quarantine. And he's really I don't think you're the only one. That he, can, he, can, he can do everything but the oven. And so he does. He just, he does. So, yeah, he will be making his cake this year. I was going to say, uh, even before you said that, I was going to say that he is a kindergartner going on freshman in college. Absolutely. He is so smart and with it and in, he's so intuitive. I, I just love your son. <laughs> um, so, okay. So how did you end up at new community and why did you decide to stay and make it your home? Yeah. Um, we, Bert and I had been really, um, invested in our church in Los Angeles. We were at a large, um, a large Presbyterian church. Um, and we were determined as soon as we got on the ground here in Spokane that, that we would find community. Um, we knew that that was an intrinsic part of, um, just being healthy, um, and as believers, um, that that was an intrinsic part of continuing to grow. And so um, we visited a number of communities here in Spokane and um, 
and through John and Sarah Pell had visited um, New Community when it was still over in the other location by Gonzaga. Um, and um, and it was it was a particular Sunday um, at New Community. Uh, actually, it was a couple of things that caught our attention. We visited a few times, and um, each of those times there was something that was a sort of church business thing. Uh, one was that Hope Prince was being invited to be an elder and uh, was invited up to the front and was introduced and then we kind of heard a little bit about the process um, and uh, we just really loved that it was so transparent that the process was transparent um, that uh, there was a um, just an acknowledgement of the need for good leadership and what hope brought to the leadership team and it seemed mm -hmm. that uh, there was a real valuing of a diversity of gifts and abilities and uh, humility. And um, so we were both really impressed with that process. Um, and then uh, we, we visited again and uh, Kevin got up and started talking about this church building scenario where uh, the church had basically been approached about um, the building on Howard, on 3rd and Howard. And uh, and, and again, there was this talk about, well, this is what we think our process would be. And there was something Kevin said about, we really believe in a church that's open seven days a week. And mm -hmm. I just, we, we were leaving and I turned to Bert and I just, I said, you know, I, I really think that these guys have got something, <laughs> um, th there's something about this transparency and this idea of church that has to do with partnership and partnering with the city and um, and the idea of a church that's open seven days a week. And Bert was talking about the process and opening it up and saying, hey, we're going to step out in faith, but that faith means that we're going to ask the community to step up and then we'll see what God wants to do as the community steps up. And we both were just really impressed and thought, yeah, this feels like something that we could really um be a part of and sure enough it was within weeks of showing up uh, there was invitation there was invitation to participate there was invitation to small group uh, there was transparency that represented invitation to us and a kind of sense of adventure that said hey if God puts something on your heart um, go ahead and talk to us about it because there's a good chance you're the one who's supposed to do it. <laughs> and there was just this mentality that was that was to us um, very inviting and represented a kind of partnership that we were excited to be a part of and a kind of community that we were excited to be a part of. I remember when you guys first came and you came to, uh, we had a little meet and greet afterwards and I remember thinking like, oh man, I just hope these people stay a part of our community because you guys are so great. And Samuel was running around and I was like, Oh, this seems like they would just be a great fit. And here you are. Here we are. Oh, um, so maybe could you tell us, I know a little bit of your story, um, just kind of who you are, but will you maybe share with us a little bit about your upbringing, 
where you're from. <laughs> um, yeah. And I know that's a loaded question, where you're from, because you're from a lot of places. <laughs> I um, think that's loaded but for just, most of us. Yeah, <laughs> yes, no, In totally. In some way or another, uh, right? Um, yep. <laughs> yeah, sure. With your home um, life, what your family, journey in faith, all of that. Yeah. Yeah, so uh, I'm the oldest of five kids, and uh, my parents uh, were part of the Jesus movement in California uh, back in the 1970s, the early 70s, and they were there on the ground floor um, when, for those of you who are not familiar with the Jesus movement, uh, you know, with the hippie movement happening and with San Francisco especially being a place where hippies were coming to as a kind of mecca, um, and then dropping out, um, kind of hitting hitting the bottom of, of or the limits of what the hippie movement could actually do and, um, and provide. And so there was this real enthusiasm uh, that culture could change, that we could change the world. Um, and then, um, and then there was drug addiction and there was, um, there was this idea that maybe free love wasn't really free love. Um, and there was a lot of brokenness and, um, and a lot of disillusionment. And out of that, um, God just started to do this thing, uh, along the West coast of California where people were getting saved in droves. It, it was revival. Um, and it was kids who wanted, had wanted the change of, of, the cultural kind of revolution that was happening, uh, the sexual revolution that was happening um, through the 60s and 70s, but they weren't finding what they really wanted. And so then they were having this encounter with Jesus that was really powerful. And then they were sharing with their friends. And, um, I, you know, this is where people like Bob Dylan started writing Christian albums, uh, had Mark <laughs> Knopfler playing guitar on it. Um <laughs> But uh, but it was this idea that all of a sudden God was God was doing something really unique. Um, and my dad, who had uh, was a second, third generation Southern Baptist, um, had um, been at Chico State working on a working on a degree in teaching, um, and just felt a call to ministry. Started ministering to these young people. Um, started sharing the gospel, leading Bible studies, and um, out of that, felt a call to ministry, went to seminary. Um, he and his best friend from college went to seminary, um, met sisters at a Bible study, got married a year later in a double <laughs> wedding. Uh, out of that oh, an actual... kind of uh, relationship dynamic, um, there were a lot of young people who were getting married, starting families, and really wanting to see... Um, see culture affected and so they were part of a house church movement they were part of a discipleship movement um there in the bay area just north of san francisco um there were some christian communes uh one called the lord's land that i think was raising goats and ducks and the whole <laughs> bit but um but my parents really just in a in a really practical way they wanted to minister to kids who were dealing with substance abuse who were needing to belong who had seen themselves as outsiders, and uh, mostly church was uh, was a meal on Sunday and uh, and a service. And um, within a couple of years, my parents received an invitation to come to the UK and basically do what they had been doing in Northern California in London uh, with kids who had been involved in cults. Specifically, there were some cults in London that were um, really creating some issues and. Um, 
and they saw my parents as as having that kind of experience and so we moved to London when I was a toddler I'd come along by then um so I was about two my mom was pregnant with my brother and we moved to London and uh, my dad and mom ministered in London for seven and a half years uh, so that was really my first exposure to uh, ministry to uh, I, I mean I people used to say to me oh you've you know you've got such a British accent and and I said, oh, well, that's because I'm British. My parents are American. Um, and so <laughs> may have been a little precocious um, uh, as, a, <laughs> as a five-year-old. Um, uh, but uh, my siblings were born in the UK. And then we came back to California. We came back to San Francisco to minister uh, in a church in San Francisco for eight years. So I went to high school in San Francisco. We lived in the city. Um, so that was where uh, we we really ministered, uh, and it was the 1980s. It was the middle of sort of a different kind of cultural moment, um, which was really uh, the the sort of the evangelical, the beginning of the evangelical movement politically. Um, mm. And so there were there a lot there was a lot of controversy, and very much San Francisco was was at the forefront. And so from a very young, impressionable age, I was a preteen teenager. I was very aware of um, pastors in the news, uh, having an opinion about all of the different things, um, whether it was abortion or homosexuality, uh, whether it was uh, our president, our leadership, um, everything, right? There was suddenly Mm -hmm. there was this platform that uh, you could uh, engage that was political, that was, um, that was part of engaging uh, culture through the news, uh, all of that. So that was very much, while my dad was not necessarily one of those guys, he's never, he's never really looked for the spotlight. Uh, we mm-hmm. were certainly very aware. The church community in San Francisco was pretty small, and so uh, we, had, we had friends across the board uh, in, in that community. So it, for me personally, it definitely raised a keen awareness as to um, the invo- involvement of the church at a political level. Um, and my parents were very, um, w- we sat down to the table every night to eat meals and we talked. And so hmm. uh, that was something I think that was really helpful for me. There was a lot of processing of, uh, you know, my mom has always been kind of countercultural. She was raised uh, a, in the hippie movement and had been a dropout herself and had met the Lord through that. And so she's always been a little skeptical of kind of mainstream anything. Um, And my, you know, and my dad as well, just uh, a sort of a very relational person and and has always been really skeptical about getting too into any particular agenda. And so there was a lot of talk, uh, which I think for me was very, very formative. Um, In the midst of that, I was uh, a teenager in San Francisco uh, in the 1990s and graduating in 1995. I'd been on two missions trips that had taken me all around the world um, and had seen a lot of the world and really was just ready to do the thing God had called me to do. And I think that was a kind of unique late 90s thing. Uh, There was this idea that like the world is ready for your call, for you to go do that thing and be a world changer. And 
Mm-hmm. Um, I just kind of went off to college and fell on my face. Um, it, it didn't go so well for me, really. Um, and uh, I think part of that uh, was God's very best intention for me in the falling apart there was a questioning of all of the things that had motivated me, this kind of wave that had carried me, uh, was as a world changer, my notion of that came out of what has now become a very evangelical agenda. And I was writing an agenda um, and saw myself as a part um, of something that had to do with a very particular role that I could play. Um, Part of that had to do with getting married. Part of that had to do with having kids. Um, And so when in my second year of college, my dad got really sick and I left college to um, move back to the States. I'd I'd gone back to London to go to college. Um, It was the beginning of a different journey for me in my 20s. coming through 20s, doing school part-time, working part-time, thinking, well, you know, maybe I should just get married and have kids and then go into full-time ministry with my husband. And I wasn't meeting anybody. And I just kind of thought, wow, this is, none of this looks like what I thought it was supposed to look like. And so uh, as I was finishing up my undergrad and I was in my early 30s and I thought, I think I better just go do something. And by then... (laughs) literature had really taken hold uh I was a storyteller I knew that and I thought I'm I'm gonna go do some storytelling stuff and um landed in Los Angeles fully off the map um for me personally I felt I felt spiritually off the map that I had planned and I felt off the map for any sort of schedule that I thought my life was meant to be on and I had developed over those years an intimacy with Jesus that I knew beyond a shadow of a doubt I would not trade for anything. Hmm. It was hard to describe, but when people said to me things like, gosh, you seem really calm about how this is not working out, I would just kind of know, well, because there's this other thing that God has had the opportunity to do, And I wasn't sure but what it was because all these other things had fallen apart. And so I know that God works in all circumstances. I know it didn't have to fall apart for other people. I have friends who've been very successful in callings that they felt when they were 10 years old. Um, And so I do know that it looks really different for every single person. I just know from my personal story that Jesus did a really beautiful thing in the midst of the fall apart that I wouldn't trade. So. Mm-hmm. Oh, I love that. Um, you shared a little bit about being overseas here and there um, mm-hmm. a few different times. And I'm wondering how did that upbringing and that experience of you spending time overseas impact the way that you see the world and um, people in general and Um, community yeah Um, right it's a strange sort of um, so I'll I've done two things that have that have paralleled in very strange ways so I worked as a nanny um, for 15 years that was kind of what I was doing all through 
college, as I was continuing college part-time, I was working as a nanny, and I worked as a high-end nanny. So I was working in Marin County first, and then I was working in Beverly Hills. I was working with people who were part of the 0.2%, right? Um, yeah. And some of them very, very conscientious um, uh, people who were deeply invested in uh, ecology and um, and then filmmakers and people who were deeply invested in telling stories. Um, but what I would what I would deem high powered uh, culture shapers here in the United States. Um, and then in the midst of that, I was I had traveled in high school um, and had taken some opportunity to, to go on missions trips. So I'd been all through Europe and then through the Middle East and Asia. And then uh, I was doing that again in sort of while I was in college, I was also working as a mentor for high school students and we were going on missions trips. So we were partnering with an organization in uh, West Africa, sorry, East Africa. Um, and simultaneously, my sister uh, was training to become a nurse so she could work in West Africa. So there was a lot of very strange um, uh, uh, parallels, and I was seeing uh, these different ways that the world worked. And um, one of the things that I saw was that people are people are people. Um, <laughs> the world over, and that trappings are, are trappings on, on both ends, that poverty is a trapping and, and wealth is a trapping, and um, that at the, heart of, at the heart of all of us, there is this desire that is so common um, to belong, to be heard, um, to be known, and to, to be known, to know that we are known, to have somebody communicate to us in the way that we need to hear, that we are known, um, that they have taken the time to uh, understand how we need to be known and, and have communicated to us that we are known. Um, one of the most formative moments for me was when I had the opportunity um, to deliver Bibles and Christian literature to the underground church in China. I was 16 years old, and um, it was part of the organization that I was working with at the time. And um, I was part of a group that at about 11 o'clock at night took uh, internal frame backpacks full of literature and Bibles um, to a large location. Uh, this was a long time ago, and I'm not worried about this going. <laughs> to, we went to a, a, a train station uh, in a large uh, port city in uh, China. And... Uh, and there was a small group of believers, underground believers, who showed up. And there was a young woman, and I was 16, and she was probably 18. And I will mm -hmm. never forget, um, the, 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 the train station was packed, and uh, I saw her at a distance, and I knew she was a sister. And mm -hmm. I still can't talk about this without getting emotional because I have never quite experienced... Uh, I had up until then never quite experienced this, and I've looked for it and seen it over and over again, and it makes me wonder how often we should have the opportunity to see this. But I saw her across the train station, and I knew she was a sister, and I knew she was family, and uh, and then we were directed. I was following somebody, and then we were directed to her group, 
and she walked up to me with a smile on her face that told me that her life was utterly different. Um, mm. And she said, she said to me, uh, sort of in broken English, she said, you brought these. And, uh, and thank you. Thank you for bringing these Bibles. And I said, this was my privilege. Um, mm. And it set something for me uh, as, a, as a bar. One was um, life with Jesus changes you in a way mm. that may manifest physically. It manifests and can manifest in ways that are such soul level ways that they can show up through your being um, for those who are looking and we don't know who's looking in that moment I was looking um, but we don't actually know who's looking and we don't know what people need to see and so to cultivate that life with Christ um, for ourselves uh, for our own for the wellness of our own soul uh, and for our growth but also we don't know who's looking and we don't know what they're gonna see and then also in that moment to feel the privilege and eternal privilege of getting to serve uh, one whose life and experience will always be extremely different than mine set something for me that said, my goodness, what a waste it will be if you just return and get on with doing what you do for you. Um, yeah. And obviously that has looked different. Um, I have not returned to China, um, but I think that's just a matter of that moment. What I only got to that moment because I was following the Holy Spirit into something. And I think that's what we do in our day to day anyway. Um, I don't know that we can pursue those moments. I couldn't have found it. I didn't know I was looking for it. There have been other hmm. moments since, and they've been in grocery stores and daycares and um, so I don't think we can pursue the moments um, I think we just follow in obedience um, hmm. but there is a deep desire in me to live a life that is that vibrant because I saw her across yeah. the train station and thought oh she knows Jesus <laughs> hmm. oh, that is beautiful I wish I wish everybody could see uh, your face light up while you're telling this story <laughs> um, I get to over zoom but Oh, that is beautiful. And I've seen the way that you have carried that into your life. I mean, I've only known you for the past couple of years, but that is a similar, that following of the spirit and that leaning in to listening um, is something that I have seen and that new community has deeply benefited from um, you being a part of this because you bring this richness and you've started this prayer team and you... Um, we, I, I, I kind of joke around, like, if you, if you need prayer for something, you go to Jerusha because it happens. <laughs> she is connected to the spirit. Um, and it is really beautiful. So maybe I feel like that, could you tell us a little bit about your passion for prayer and, um, just kind of what your hopes are in this prayer team that you have started at new community prior to COVID. Um, and yeah, just kind of how that has shaped you and yeah. Um, yeah. Um, so <clears throat> I think there were a couple things that happened really early in my life um, that were really painful. Um, one was our leaving England. And um, 
I felt very displaced. Um, obviously, I was very safe. I was with my family. Um, but I also felt when you grow up telling people that your parents are American and you're British and then your parents move you back <laughs> to America, um, you suddenly, there, there's a fracture there where the, the identity for me um, was a really difficult thing to come to terms with. And I was nine and I, I didn't, uh, I remember uh, I also really struggled with insomnia in my early kind of preteen years. Um, and it was late at night and I would read my Bible and um, that was when I first started to really hear the voice of the Holy Spirit. And it was just honestly just a voice of comfort, um, a comfort that I knew I could not get for myself. I was sad. I missed England. I missed my friends. I felt very displaced. And I felt like I couldn't talk to my parents about it because they were American and they had come home and I had not. And so um, obviously I've talked about it with them since, but at the time mm. I felt very locked into my experience. And so mm. I would read my Bible and I had a great Bible that told you, um, you know, read these verses. If you're feeling afraid, read these verses, if you're feeling f sad. And so I would do that. And then I would feel a peace. I would feel a mm. peace that I could not understand. And my Bible told me that that was Jesus and that was the Holy Spirit. And so I took that at face value. And I think as a kid, when that happens, especially, it just sort of sticks. And so from that relationship and that dependence, um, I have just always gone back to that place. And I think if I were to describe my relationship with to the Holy Spirit, I would say um, it is the kind of relationship that has an, a little bit of an expectation to it. Um, from what I have read in scripture, I understand that Jesus sent the Holy Spirit and that, uh, well, it's kind of like, it's kind of like if somebody loved you and had done a couple things to demonstrate they kind of had a thing for you <laughs> and then like took you to dinner and then you're walking afterwards and... There's sort of like this, okay, well, hey, I've done these things to demonstrate that I feel this way about you. Um, and you're like, oh, yeah, yeah, no, but there's no expectation, right? Right. That, it would diffuse, it would, it would like, it, it would be a way of like basically communicating that you weren't into that, right? <laughs> and so for me, when I think about my relationship with Jesus and I think about what I read in scripture, for me, the Holy Spirit is kind of that place of response. It's like, I expect Jesus to continue mm. to reach out to me personally, that this is a love relationship ultimately, and it is personal. Um, and so I expect something and I want to respond in a way that has acknowledged that expectation um, appropriately. And so for me, prayer is that place. Um, mm -hmm. For me, prayer is that place where my heart is sensitive to and aware that, you know, we start to worship and I just start to feel that stirring inside of me that says, this is so good. This is the body of believers in this little manifestation here on this corner in Spokane. And we are joining with a chorus of people around the world 
who are lifting up their voices this morning or maybe just lifting their hands. And, um, and I feel that stirring and my heart says yes and amen. I acknowledge that stirring. I acknowledge that this is an emotional relationship. I acknowledge that I want to hear things from God. I want to look at scripture and have things jump out at me. I want to hear whispers in my heart that say, hey, this person needs an extra bit of love today. Um, I acknowledge that I want there to be an expectation that Jesus has reached out to me and it has raised my expectation that we will continue this relationship as a relationship, as something that is actually engaged um, as a whole being thing. And prayer is just, like, more than anything, it's just that place where that happens. Um, so it's it's a kind of through the day. Uh, when I was first, actually, when I was first dating my husband, Bert, um, and we were talking one afternoon, and I just randomly, I said, uh, well, I was talking to God about that thing that you and I were talking about the other day, and it was really interesting because it, as I was talking to the Lord about it, I really felt like, um, I, you know, I needed to get back to that passage in Ephesians and I was not even thinking about it. And Bert later said, I really enjoyed that. You didn't miss a beat. You were like, oh yeah, I was talking to God, you know, <laughs> like, I was like, I know sometimes this really comes off a little weird and that's okay. I did it at this morning in my, I walk with my neighbors and my neighbors know who I am and that I love Jesus. And we're not all on the same page. And I like started into telling a story and I started to realize I was going to have to say that I had been talking to God about something. <laughs> and I was like, oh, oh, oh. And I was like, what am I going to do? Like, I can't, I can't say that I was like having good thoughts because I wasn't, I was talking to God. So right. I was like, yeah, I was talking to God the other day and I just said it. And I was like, oh man, I'm one of the uh. extra crispies. It's okay. <laughs> Oh, I love you, Teresa. She knows me. She loves me. It's it's all right. I just, you know. <laughs> oh, man. I I just love you. And this is I've I've heard you say that as I've heard in your conversations. It's one of the things that I love is because you do have this intimate relationship where God is a living being. God is alive and um active and this relationship is real. It's not a thing that is far off and somebody that I pretend to talk to or anything like that, but it's actually a conversation with God, which is so beautiful um, and has been encouraging to me and challenging. And um, I've just appreciated that about you and the way that you do talk about the way that you talk with God and the way that you uh, experience the presence of God in your life is really, really beautiful. Um, So as as we kind of wrap this time up, I, I guess two things, you can answer either of these or both, whatever you feel um, you want to answer. But I was going to ask you where you've seen God show up most in your life in this past year, like where you just have really seen God's presence. And I was also going to ask you if you had any encouragement for the community um, as we close this time. Maybe they pair up, maybe they don't. Um, but if you have any thoughts about either of those or both of those, <laughs> I would love yeah. to hear them. Oh, right. I mean, I think, I think for all of us, this last year has been so disorienting. Um, 
I have had friends who have um, buried parents where everybody uh, could not be at the graveside. Um, we lost Renee, and um, there were days when I had to remind myself that she was gone. Um, and then we've had the disorientation of um, just the peeling back uh, again and again and again of um, these layers of injustice that we sit with. Um, and that combination, I think, of uh, sitting at home and thinking, okay, I'm doing this for my community. I want to do this to, to keep people safe. And there's something that feels so impotent about sitting at home while we continue to see injustice working its way through mm -hmm. our society. Um, and, and the disorientation of just our routines, our schedules, our, the things that mark uh, that summer has started and we're, we're barbecuing with friends and just, I, it just disorientation is the word that, that mm -hmm. comes to mind. And um, uh, <laughs> as a creative writer, uh, I have been digging into my research in this last year and I love ancient cultures and I love when I get into places in scripture where I recognize how ancient the scripture is, how ancient the stories are. And for the most part, the language has been altered so much that if you're reading Job or you're reading Galatians, it kind of all sounds a little bit the same. Um, but then if you just sit with Job, good heavens, like it's so old, it's so other. And in that, I have heard this just sort of deep rumbling um, of a God who is ancient, um, mm. of a God who is uh, a God who has seen and experienced and been present in every moment of human history, however old that human history is and we only have the recorded bit and in that when I bring my current oh lord I am so dried up so burnt out <laughs> so frustrated so angry um, to God uh, I have definitely had some Job moments where he's like uh huh so were you there when I, <laughs> and I think, nope, I was not. And there is both a very tender, um, I love those feminine pronouns of, of God gathering us under his wing and very gently saying, hey, you weren't there when I formed Leviathan. And so... If there is an encouragement that I would offer, it would be out of my own moments where somewhere in the center of that rumbling, there is a joy and a hope that says, I am at work and there is not anything that can prevent my work from moving forward. Hmm. And you get to participate. Would you like to? Hmm. And I'm like, yeah, I'll get over myself. I'd like to be in on that. And so, you know, like I, that, 
that sounds a little bit trite. Um, the reality is it's only trite because I have multiple conversations like that a day with God where like one more headline and I'm like, no way, no way. Um, and yeah, right. Yeah. I just keep coming yeah. back to that God who is uh, the ancient of days and yeah. is busy now. Yes. Oh, thank you, Jerusha. I, um, like I said, I just, I'm so grateful that you are such an important part of our community and that you guy, when you guys came, you dove right in and, um, you bring, you bring all of you <laughs> to this community and you don't hold back. And it has, uh, really encouraged me and my spirit and benefited the community as a whole. And, um, you and your family are people who approach church with the idea of um, what can I give? What do I have to offer to this community versus simply what do I get from this community? Um, and it is just a really beautiful, beautiful um, representation of what church is and what community is about. And um, I'm just really grateful for you and your sweet family. And I cannot wait to watch your two sweet kids grow and get to know and get to hold Elizabeth. Um, I'm just really grateful for you. So thank you for taking the time to do this. I love every minute I get with you. And, and to new community, I would say, uh, again, if you have any questions, if you want to get to know Jerusha, reach out to her. Um, you can email me at julie at new-community.com and I will connect you with her. Um, she is a wide open book and is wonderful to spend time with. So, so yeah, I, I, I invite anybody to hang out with Jerusha is what I'm basically saying <laughs> because well, I know she's I, up for that. Yeah. I would just say, I would just add to that, that, um, I think that what Julie, what you, what you see is, is what you have offered. And we have found a new community, a place where we can be transparent, um, where we feel that we can grow and that what we have maybe offered or you know ventured has been uh so enthusiastically uh welcomed and uh, our questions and our concerns and um our struggles uh we we have been really vulnerable about um our own personal spiritual struggles and have come to you guys as leadership and said hey this is something that i am working through and you guys have been more than once like you know, we have sat down over coffee and you have just heard me out. And um, I think that we we have found new community to be that place that we saw it to be at the beginning um, mm. over and over again in so many different ways. And God has, um, oh man, I could just, there are so many stories of how God has brought healing and goodness and life Um through everything from just a simple Sunday morning song that got pulled up. Um, and I thought, no way, not this song, not this morning. And it was absolutely, absolutely a God thing to um, conversations outside of our, our building that were over brunch and coffee and tea and just the goodness of what community looks like in the city. Um, doing life with one another and I we as a family have been so incredibly grateful for that I personally have found a deepening in my relationship with Jesus because of that so 
Um, we are incredibly grateful um, and excited for this new season that we feel God calling us into with new community. Oh, well, thank you. And we love you and I'm excited for this new season as well. It's gonna be, it's gonna be fantastic. So new community, uh, thank you for listening. And um, as always, reach out with anything you got and we are here. All right, bye.